Okay. Um, we've made it all the way to Romans chapter 6, so if you want to write, find Romans chapter 6 in your Bibles. Um, before I go ahead and talk about the small, what we're going to talk about this morning, I want to remind us where we've been, what, what, we, where we, what we picked up and what we've heard so far. The reason for that is that if I just do this week and next week in isolation, you can go away with the wrong ideas. And I don't want you to go away with the wrong ideas because it's like a, it, it's a, it's a whole letter that is written as a letter. And, and often when we, we, do, uh, we hear just like one-off messages from things, we don't get the whole picture. So I want to remind you of some things first. And the way we're going to do this, if that's okay, is I'd like you to repeat them. All right? Yeah. Okay. I'm right before God. Solely on the basis of what Christ has done. Through faith. In the finished work of the cross. I have peace with God. I have been born again. I have a new heart. A new nature. My old man is dead. And my new man is alive. Amen. Amen. So I'm talking to your new man this morning. Okay, I don't want you flip-flopping back to your old person who is now dead. He died, as we said last week, when you were born again. And it's best if he stays dead and we don't try and resurrect him because he smells. Okay? So, the story that we've had running through this, the parable, is about somebody who is terminally ill that they have a, a cancer and it's caused heart damage. And the doctors for a long time treated the symptoms but wouldn't, weren't treating the cause of the problem. And what we've discovered from, from what Paul is saying in the letter to the Romans is that's what the law does. Law, rule, our performance, trying to uh, get God to move on our behalf is treating the symptoms of our problem without actually curing it. In other words, it, it, it makes everything look better on the outside, but does nothing inside. And so Jesus didn't come just so that we would be forgiven of our sins. He came so that we would be forgiven of our sins, but we could live a new life. And we could walk free of those sins. We could walk free of all those old patterns. And the way he chose to do that which is the only way it could be done, is that he gave us his righteousness. And we discovered last week that what happened was that, that our old heart, with our old desires, that, that sin nature in us was taken out and we were given a new heart from a healthy donor called Jesus and we were given that heart with his heart, his desires, and he's placed his love in us. And he lives through us by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's where we've been. Okay? And we've been using this illustration of a heart transplant. And so, and we haven't finished with it yet. You might think, oh, well, I've, got, I've done the heart transplant. I've, I've recovered. I'm alive. I've gone home. So it's okay. The issue with heart transplants is often they, they don't, the problems don't stop when you've got the new heart. The problem isn't the new heart, that's healthy. The problem is what your body does with the new heart. 
And you have something in you called an immune system. And that immune system is designed to identify objects that are foreign to it, that, that don't look like what it's used to. And in the same way, that, that what happens is that that immune system can reject the new heart tissues because they're not what your body is used to having. They're not what your body is used to dealing with. They don't fit the pattern that you've dealt with. And uh, doctors call this like a rejection, a rejection of the new heart, rejection of the new tissues. And um, a rejection is actually a product of a normally functioning immune system. So what, 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 we need to, what doctors need to be able to do is to reprogram the body so it doesn't reject the heart. Are you with me? Yeah? You, you, you're familiar with how that works. You, 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 you've heard it or you, you know people who've been through this or whatever. So doctors prescribe all sorts of things. They prescribe um, uh, medicine, some of it's intravenous, some of it's sort of regular medica medication. Uh, they, they do horrible things to you, like try and modify your diet and cut out cholesterol and all the things other men like. Yeah? Or our eggs and our bacon. And they want you to cut that all out. And, um, and they, do, do, they do other things that, you know, like they tell you that you've got to do so much exercise every day to keep that heart healthy. And the point's this, that if we look after our new heart, life will flow from it. But if we don't look after it, we get problems. And, um, and that life that flows from our new heart... What we want to do is we need to make sure the flow of life in us stays strong. And it's no different in terms of a medical or what Christ has done in us. We want the flow of life, the flow of love, that those new desires to take effect in our life. We want that flow to remain strong. We want to, uh, to affect people around us and we want life to change. And to do that, we need to keep that heart strong and healthy. And so we can do things that encourage that. So let's, let's start positive, should we? Let's, what, what, what sort of things can we do to encourage our new healthy heart that we got from Jesus? Well, we can do good stuff like we've done this morning already. We can worship. We can pray. We can uh, read God's word to find out what, how our new healthy heart works and, and how we can make it stronger and, and what, the, you know, what, what, what doesn't do it so good. We can, what, I mean, one of the best things I don't think you can do with your healthy heart is get around other people with healthy hearts and hang around with them. That's why we do church. That's why we don't stop doing church and, and all hang out on Facebook. We do church so we're around other people with healthy hearts. That's why we do midweek life groups. So we can grow and look after our hearts together. There's something about, um, you know, community when somebody's been ill and, and they, they go home for recuperation, that the community looks after them. And it's like that with the heart we have with Christ, that, that we, we grow stronger and we keep our healthy hearts by hanging around with other people who encourage us to do the things that keep our hearts healthy. So I want you to... what if. It, in case you hear something that I haven't said, what I want you to understand this morning is the point of this, that everything I'm saying this morning, and next week it will be as well, is to keep your heart healthy. 
because you have um, this, this new, uh, newly created heart from Christ that has the life of Christ in it and has the spirit of Christ moving through it. And, and you can actually, you, you're going to change lives around you, uh, relationships around you, situations around you, if you live from that new life. Are you with me? Good. So just turn to the person next to you and say, this is a positive message. The reason I've got you doing that is I'm going to talk about sin. Okay, so you make me, oh, I thought you said it was going to be positive. It is, okay? But the minute you throw that word sin in, everybody goes, ooh. I thought you said we lived under grace. We do, but we want to keep our hearts healthy. And I'm going to explain that to you. Now, the Bible teaches that our new heart, that new heart we've been given, is the centre of our being. And what we found out so far is that that new heart was created by Christ, given by Christ, and it was created, Ephesians 4.24, in righteousness and true holiness. We were given the spirit of Christ and he, it became one with our spirit and he lives in us. Okay? But when, we talk, when the Bible talks about our heart, the spirit isn't the only thing in play. The heart is the centre of who we are. When you, when you die and go to heaven, it's not just your spirit that goes, but your soul goes too. Your heart is your soul and spirit combined. And your soul has lived a bit before you found Christ. Your soul has all sorts of ingrained patterns. It has ways of thinking. It has ways of making decisions. You can, you know, something like really tiny can go like that and you erupt because you've got um, ingrained reactions to things. And those that the, those ingrained patterns and those, and those belief systems that your, your um, soul has can affect the life that's flowing from your heart. And it's like, you know, what we don't want to do is end up rejecting our new heart. And so we have uh, these ingrained uh, beliefs, patterns. Just for, for those who maybe I haven't made it clear in, in this series, um, but your soul, biblically, is your mind, the way you think, the way you process things, your will, your, your ability to decide, your ability to do things and, and, and exert your will, uh, and your emotions. And they're meant to be good. But the truth is that life and people affect us. And they, they, they can actually carry a lot of baggage. You know, I, I believe that's you know, what Nia was bringing out this morning. That, that, you know, we, we, we struggle with so many things and we're carrying lots of baggage. And so you, you've got the potential if we carry on, you know, you can become a Christian and just carry on living like you always did and it makes no difference. And sadly, lots of Christians do that because they, 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 they carry on in their old ways of thinking, their old belief systems, their old ways of doing things and think, well, it's okay because I said a prayer 10 years ago. And actually what they're doing is that they're just keeping reproducing the things that were helpful in the first place and led them to become a Christian. And so... The change that we're looking for needs to impact the whole of our heart. It needs to impact 
our mind, our will, emotions, belief systems, thought patterns, uh, reactions and everything. And, and Paul, later on in life, talks a lot about, like, calls it renewing of the mind, which we're not getting on to this morning. Because one of the things when you teach from the Bible is you have to do it in the order it's written. You can't, you know, like, I can't just skip to chapter 12 because you have a question that you want answering. I'm in chapter 6. Okay, so up to now, in the last two weeks, people have been going, Mark, are you saying it's okay to sin? No, I'm not saying it's okay to sin, but I haven't got to chapter 6 yet. And Paul actually answers the question in chapter 6, but I'm not going to answer it before he does. Okay? The truth is, God loves you. He's not mad at you. And you are saved by grace through faith. And you live your life by grace through faith based on Christ's righteousness, not yours. So, this morning's talk is called Why Holiness? But if I told you that at the start, you'd have been glum and miserable and unhappy. <laughs> or worse still, you'd have been going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have everybody crying and weeping and wailing at, and repenting at the front. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to teach grace properly. Okay? Because we've already discovered that look, focusing on how bad we were and focusing on rules and law and our own performance in order to try and please God doesn't work. If it had worked, Christ wouldn't have had to come in the first place. The law has a purpose, we've looked at that, but it's not to actually help you with your life now. Okay, so our standing with God is one of faith righteousness. And when God looks at us, he looks at us through the blood of Christ. So he sees Christ and he sees the blood. He doesn't see you because you are in Christ. And we talked about that last week. And so we are, what the Bible calls is hidden in Christ or made righteous in Christ. We, we've been given that standing. That's, that's who we are. That's where we live from. And so our relationship with God isn't based on our performance. Our relationship with God is based on our faith in what Christ has done. It's a completely different way of organising our relationship with God. And so I, just before we really answer this question, why holiness, I, I want to make sure we, we're all on the same page. So I'm going to look at Galatians chapter 2. Just to remind us why we're not living under law and we're not trying to do things to get God to do things for us or to make him pleased with us. We do things, good things, because we have love in our heart now. We do good things because we have Christ living through us. We do good things because we can do good things. We're not dominated by sin anymore. We reign, rule and reign over sin. So Galatians chapter 2. Verses 19, uh, starting in verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law. In other words, the law proved to me I couldn't keep it and the only way out of it was to die. To have my new heart taken, my old heart taken out. That I might live to God. I was raised with Christ. I, I died with Christ. I was raised with Christ. So I now live with a new heart. I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This, 
That, that, we have to get that. It's not us that is trying to live this life. What, we, what we're trying to do is let Christ live in us. But Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, skin, bone, all the rest of it, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I don't nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Do you get the impact of what he's just said? That, that you nullify the power of grace in your life when you try to operate in relationship with God by, on your own merits and your own worth. It's really subtle, but it's so important because huge swathes of the body of Christ are trying to operate in relationship with God on their own merits. And, and we don't because we, we, we can't ever be good enough that way. We operate in relationship with God on Christ's merits. And God looks at us through Christ because we're in him. And so when we try and please God through, through doing like... You know, like, you, you, ought to, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You don't pray enough. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't go to church enough. You, 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 you do this wrong. You do that wrong. You do that wrong. And when, when we focus on that and try and sort that up, we're operating in an old covenant way, as if we'd never been born again. We're operating in a way that makes the sacrifice of Christ needless. Because we're trying to prove to God that we're good enough. And we're, we're worth him loving us. He loves us anyway. He loves us. He, 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 just, he just loves us. You know, and, and when we try, it's like me saying, well, I love Cheryl. And Cheryl going, but what can I do to make you love me? And I'm going, I love you, Cheryl. And she's going, but what can I do to make you love me? But I love you. But what can I do to make It doesn't make any sense. But we do it with God all the time. Do you, do you, are you with me? Right. I've got some good nodding from the back, so that's good. Now, let's get a little bit more exciting, a bit more. Okay, so I'm going to go to Romans chapter, 60, uh, chapter 6. You've got um, all your own versions. I'm going to actually, um, because I've already quoted this verse a couple of times in this season, I'm actually going to read it from a, a different translation, try and bring it a bit fresher. Um, and so I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Um, so chapter 6, verse 14. Oh, yeah. It's really good, this. So I'll actually start chapter 12 and ignore the slide, all right? Sorry, verse 12. Verse 12. Do not, so you haven't got this, but do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead. Turn to the person next to you and go, I was dead. I was dead. But now I've got new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for the glory of God. Yeah. Now, this is the important bit. Sin is not your master. It doesn't rule over you. It doesn't dominate you. You haven't got a sin nature like you had before you were born again that is forcing you and driving you towards doing things for selfish reasons, self-centered life, 
and all about you. You actually have a heart of love. So sin is no longer your master. Why is sin no longer your master? For, yeah, because you died. Because he says, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You know, lots of people go, well, you know, um, the trouble with this whole grace message is it encourages people to sin. And you know, the point's this, that you can't not sin without grace, without the grace message and without understanding it. And grace is the power for you not to sin. When we get under law, you find that contrary to what you might expect using your own head, in your own reasoning, these things get worse, not better. The more you focus on sin, the more you actually struggle with it. The more you, you look at how bad you are, the more you see yourself as bad and the more you carry on being bad. Because as we found out, as a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. So guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. So we need to, it's a heart change that needs to take place. That takes place by grace. Law, so, you know, it deals with the symptoms, tries to tidy up the outside and inside you end up struggling even more because you think that's who I am. And Christ says, and God says, no, that's not who you are. So you will no longer have to live like that. You are no longer forced to live in that way. Because there's no law for us, sin isn't imputed to us. Now, this is where we get technical. Accountants are going to love this sentence. Everybody else is going to go, aren't accountants boring? No, we're not. We're really exciting people. But sin isn't imputed. Imputing is an accounting term. It means that, that, that charge to your account. Okay, so you do something, it's written down, it's charged to your account, and you've got to pay for it. Because there's no law, sin is no longer imputed. Now, let, let me try and explain that. Imagine that we, um, we, we drive in a car, okay? And there's no speed limit. Okay? So you, you're driving around, there's no speed limit. In the, in the good old days. And what happens? What happens if you go 40 mile an hour past the front of here? Nothing. There's no speed limit. Now, the minute we say this is a 30 mile an hour zone, you drive 40 mile an hour past here, you get a speeding ticket because it's charged to your account. Are you with me? So if you put, say, the speed limit 70 and you happily driving along the motorway 85, then, and you get a speeding ticket. It's charged <laughs> to your account. That's imputing. And what's this saying is, if there's no speed limit, if there's no 70 mile an hour speed limit, nothing gets charged to your account. What this is saying is, God isn't operating under that system of rules. So there's nothing to charge to your account. Now that doesn't mean you drive around like an idiot at 150 mile an hour in areas where kids are playing, does it? Everybody knows that. 
you just, well, there's, there's some people who live like the old man. <laughs> but everybody knows that he's stupid. Everybody knows the stupid things that you can do. What's happening is God's expecting us to behave like grown-ups now instead of kids. Kids go riding at 150 mile an hour through built-up zones. Grown-up, mature people don't because they know it's stupid and it's dangerous and it has consequences. People die. You might die. It's not because there's a system of rules. You just know it's stupid. And that's what God's saying about sin. Okay? So... We get to this question, this is what Paul's answering, he's saying, so why, why, if all this grace stuff is right, what about holiness, what about sin, what about walking right with God? Can we just like do whatever we want and get away with it? Now, the temptation is there to say, well, no, you can't just do that, that's why we need rules. But God doesn't work on that basis. And so we don't anymore either. But if you teach grace, it's inevitable you'll get that question. And we shouldn't be faced by it. It's just a normal question. It's okay to ask that question. Because Paul has some interesting things to say about living like that and, and carrying on indulging yourself in sin. But the important point is that we're not... It's not about salvation. It's not about getting God to do things or getting God to be pleased with us, it's, he gives different reasons why we shouldn't live like that. And so under grace, Paul tells us, when he answers his question, Should, can I just go on sinning because I'm under grace? He says, no. So you turn to that person next to you and just shout no really loud at them. No. 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 That, that didn't seem very loud, but I'll let you off. No. He isn't in any, you know, God isn't in any way saying sin is okay. In fact, he's saying the opposite. You don't have to sin because I've done something about it. Yeah. It's not, you know, the question is it okay or not shouldn't even be entering your head. The question that you should have in your head is how do I not do it and how do I access what, what you've given me? The reason, the, the number one reason we shouldn't sin is because we don't have to. We had to before we were born again. We had a sin nature. The number one reason why we don't now is because we don't have to. Does that not get you excited? You don't have to. You don't have to live like that. Why do you not want to live like that? Because sin is destructive. It kills. It kills relationships. You know that. It kills, it kills family. It kills... Um, Friends, it kills your life, it steals from you, it messes your career up. It, when you're dishonest, it, it just destroys things. Why would you want to do it when you were making such a mess doing it? Why do you not want to get away from destruction? That's the number one reason Paul says you don't sin, because you don't have to. You, you, like, it's almost like, like somebody's about to drop a nuclear bomb on you, and you say, no, don't, stop. And you move to here and you say, okay, hit me with the bomb now then. It's just stupid. 
did, did I say that subtly? No, it's stupid. Because sin does have consequences in the natural, in reality. We're not talking spiritual things yet. We, we will get on to that. But in, just in the natural, sin destroys relationships. It destroys lives. It destroys marriages. It destroys children. It just makes messes. The big, one of the biggest things it destroys is your bank balance. Honestly, it does. Grace empowers us, because we have a new nature, to rise above that old way of doing things. We don't resist sin to try and be accepted by God. But we live holy lives because our nature has changed. So that when we carry on living the way everybody else does, or thinking, it's okay, I'll just carry on doing all that mess that I was already doing, we are now living contrary to our nature. You're living opposite to who you are. And that's going to make a mess of you inside when you live opposite to who you are. When, you, when somebody lives opposite to their nature, it makes a mess. You know, I, I've seen it in, in business. You've got, you've got people who are really soft-hearted, gentle people, and you put them in a big corporate environment, all of a sudden they believe they have to start acting like Hitler. And, and, the, and they can sustain it for a while, and it does one of two things. Either it really messes them up inside and they end up bombing out in their career, or the other thing it does is it ends up hardening in their heart till they are like Hitler. Because it affects your heart. Your acting is a rejection of your new nature. Are you with me? Yeah. This, is, this is good stuff because if we get this and we realise why we don't sin, then we can actually apply what God's done in our lives and change. And that's a good thing, isn't it? We can let life flow, love flow, power, the power of the kingdom flow in our life instead of being bogged down and weighed down by all the rubbish we've lived with. And that, that's exciting because now not only will our life change and our relationships and, and friendships and, and everything about us will get better, but other people will be affected by the good that's coming from us. That's the kingdom. So... How do we do that? You do it by focus. Oh, that sounds like work. No, I'm not saying that. That's called um, self-help books. That's work. But sometimes when we use words in the kingdom, our mind can switch to a self-help book because we're surrounded by that sort of jargon. So when I use the word focus, I don't want you to switch to thinking, oh, this is the power of positive thinking. No, it's not. The power of positive thinking is a counterfeit to the renewing of the mind of the kingdom. Yeah. It's trying to change yourself without the power of God to change yourself. That's the power of positive thinking. <laughs> the power of the kingdom talks about renewing your mind by focusing on what Christ has done, setting your mind on what Christ has done. They sound the same, they're completely different. One of them has the backing and power of the Holy Spirit behind it and a new heart and a new nature in it. 
The other one has nothing. You can't do it. But you will spend a lot of money buying the books and watching the videos and trying to do it. And it won't get you anywhere. Because at the end of the day, all you are doing is making Americans richer. And who wants to do that? <laughs> you know, be happy. Walk godly. Spend your money in England. <laughs> you see, if only the Chancellor had said that in his budget, eh? <coughs> that would have gone well. <laughs> right, so in order to focus, what I mean by that is knowing who we are and keeping our eyes on that. That's how we release the power of our new nature. And to do that, you need two things. You need to know it, which is why we're doing this series, and why we do Rock Solid, and, and why we exist as a church. You need to know it. But secondly, you, begin, you have to begin to act in accordance with what you now know. Instead of indulging... The rubbish. And you act in accordance with what you now know because you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. Um, a couple of times in the Old Testament, it's, it, it says this, that my people perish, die, through lack of knowledge. Uh, Hosea 4, 6. You see, if we don't know something, you can't live it. You can only live according to what you know. And sadly, a lot of the church doesn't know this. Because it's terrified of anything that would be remotely supernatural. So what it does is it, 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 it reduces this incredible book down to a series of nice stories and rules and formulas. And it doesn't work. Because... God is a God of relationship, not formulas. And so we need to know who we are so we can live according to who we are. Now, I'll say this, you, you, you know this phrase, but actually I want you to start living it. What you focus on is what you empower. Again, not positive thinking, positive truth. What you focus on is what you empower. If you focus on all what everybody else is saying, what religion tells you, what the world tells you, you will live according to that. You will be empowering that in your life. If you, if you go, oh, I'm, I, I don't get all that Christianity stuff, I'm going to go for the self-help books, you will empower that in your life. And so we empower what we look at and what we, we, we think about, what we dwell on, what we, we set our minds to. You know, sad to say, a large part of people I know set their minds according to home and away and neighbours. You know, I think I've made a major step forward because they're no longer setting their minds on EastEnders. We move forward <laughs> in life. But, but people set their minds according to what they read in newspapers. They set their minds according to the music they listen to. They set their minds on anything except on what Christ has done and who they are. And they end up thinking, well, I've got to be beautiful and glamorous in order to be accepted. Stupid. What were you looking at? You weren't looking at Christ in you because you already are beautiful, glamorous and accepted. Or handsome and rugged men. <laughs> you, you already are. But you were looking at the wrong thing. 
And the devil used that to steal from you. So now whenever you relate to your friends, you think you're not good enough. And it's a complete lie that you walked into. We have a new nature, but we still, you know, I'm not saying we don't sin. We still sin because we have an old body. Now, when the, when the Bible uses this word body or the body of sin, it isn't actually referring to um, your physical body, although that is part of it. When, when, you, when you die, you leave behind what? A body. So what's gone? Your soul and your spirit. And that's, that's kind of where we get the picture from. But when the Bible says you, you've got a, 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 there's a body of sin which has now been rendered powerless, as in you reign over it rather than it reigning you, what it means is that, that you've left behind an old body and that body consists of how you respond to everything you take into your senses and the reactions you have to it, the beliefs you have about it, and the way you think about it. So it's, it's, a, it's a belief system tuned to senses, is, is what it's saying. And it's saying you don't have to live according to everything you take into your senses and your belief systems about it and your reactions to it. Yeah. You can be changed. So you don't have to live according to that body. And the reasons Christians sin is not because they don't have a new nature, because they do. The reason Christians sin is they haven't renewed those bits of the body that are respo responding wrongly to the external inputs. You know, we call this renewing of the mind and we get onto it in chapter 12. I'm not going to do it here. But the problem with Christians and why we sin is not... Well, part, firstly, it's that we don't know who we are. So we don't know we can't. We, we don't have to live like that. You know, for years, I guess decades, I lived thinking I was a miserable sinner. Because I wasn't so, you know, we used to repeat it every week in church. I am not worthy so much as to gather under up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. And we were told we were sinners and we were told that, you know, we, we, we just needed God's constant mercy and he was angry with us and if Christ wasn't stood between me and God, I'd be in real trouble. And what I needed was more repentance, more humility and, and all sorts of things. And it all became a horrible jumble and I became a worm. And because I saw myself as weak, helpless and just locked in sin that I couldn't deal with. That was my old body. But it no longer needs to hold me. But I now know who I am. And that really set me free. Because I don't, I'm, I'm not that person. I'm not that person they're describing to me. I have the life and spirit of Christ living in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he's not any of that. He's not any of any of those words could be used to describe Christ. Therefore, they don't describe who I am now. But I need to know that in order to be able to live it. But secondly, I need to respond to it. I need to think about it. I need to empower it in my life. Let's go on to um, Romans chapter 6, verse 10. And we, we'll just... Get through this and we're done for this morning. 
well, we've got a few more verses, but this is my last point. Verse 10. So it's talking about Christ. So the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Even, so that's describing Christ. And then it says, even so, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. When we were, we looked at this last week, when we were baptised into Jesus' death, we died. Our old man died. Our old heart, sin nature was taken out and we were given a new heart, which looks like Christ. And it's, the really interesting thing is that, that this word consider yourself. That word consider, uh, it means to, to reckon. Reckon yourself. Or uh, regard yourself. Or specifically, it means this. This is, from the, this is like my Greek dictionary tells me. The result of reasoning. So, like, you apply logic from what you have now been told, and the result of the reasoning is that you are dead to sin and alive to God. Christ is living through you. It's, it's normal reasoning if you know what's happened to you. The other word is take an inventory of your position. It, what, what it's saying is, guys, you, are, you don't have to live like that, so take an inventory of your position and realise what Christ has done to set you free from living like that. Realise what Christ has done by giving you his spirit. Realise that it's no longer you who live, but Christ in lives, who lives in you. And then you can walk free. So what he's saying is, He's encouraging us to focus on, meditate on, think about and keep right in front of us who we now are. Now, there's a process that goes along with that, which is called renewing of your mind. But let me, let me put it this way. How many of you have ever flown to America? Yeah? When you fly out to America, the time difference isn't too bad because you usually land and it's still daylight and you get up. When you come back from America, there's this horrible thing called jet lag and your body just re can, can just refuse to adjust. And so every traveller that I, I, I talk to has a different method of coping with jet, jet lag. But it's like that when we are born again in that, that it is true we live in a new zone. We live in a new time zone. We live in a new reality zone because we're born again and Christ lives in us. But there's a, there's a lag to the rest of our life catching up with that reality. We have to reset the clock. And that, that's what Paul is saying here. Well, that's how you have to think. You, you, you've got to go through that. If that's the reality and I'm readjusting my life to that truth. Yeah. I don't live in, in that 11-hour difference. I live like that. But I'm adjusting all the rest of me to come here. And the way that we get adjusted is through the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Not because we do it ourselves, but because we tune in to who we are. Yeah. And what God says about us, and we keep our eyes locked on that. Because as a man thinks, so is he. So what you focus on, you empower. And what you empower, you manifest in your life ultimately. As that adjustment takes place. Are you with me? Yeah. Good. Because I'm nearly finished. 
Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. You know, you've been born again, so keep going after those things you're adjusting to. Keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. The, the amplified version of it says this. It says, uh, set your minds and keep focusing habitually on the things above. What is true of you? What is true of God? What is true of what Christ has done? Set your minds on the thing above, not on the things of the earth. Not the way everybody else thinks, because you're not that person. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you'll also be revealed with him and everybody will see glory. Because Christ lives in you. What I'm saying here, and we're going to look at it again next week, because uh, Paul has a second thread about this whole question of can't we just do what we like? But the point's this, and it's been an eternal theme with God. You can choose life or death. You can choose life or destruction. But now you have a real choice about what you do with all these behaviour patterns in your life that you didn't have when you were an unbeliever. Because you have a new nature that empowers you to live that way. And so he's saying, choose life. You choose life by choosing where you focus and you live and adjust to the truth of who you now are. Set your mind on your new heart and your new nature. So if the musicians like to come back up, I'm just going to finish with a, a verse from uh, 1 Corinthians, but I'm going to read it from the Amplified. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Basically, what Paul's been doing, he's been describing a number of types of people. They come out as wrongdoers, cheats, swindlers, adulterers, idolaters, greedy graspers. Anybody met any greedy graspers? Yeah, foul-mouthed revilers, people who extort money, and robbers. And he says, that sort of person isn't going to the kingdom of heaven. Why are they not going? It's not because of their sin. It's not because of, of what they're doing, because they can't do anything about that. It's the fact that they haven't believed in Christ, so they can't do, they, 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 they they're not born again. That person doesn't have a part in the kingdom of heaven because they haven't put their faith in the grace that Christ provided. They haven't put their faith in what Christ did at the cross. And then he because it's important to see that, that he's not talking about you there. He's not saying, if you do all these, if you do something wrong, you, you, you're cutting yourself out of the kingdom of heaven, you're losing your salvation. He's not saying that. He's talking about people who've never got saved. And he says this. Oh, reading the wrong one. <laughs> and such, some of you once were. You used to be like that. But you were washed clean, purified by a complete atonement from sin and made free from the guilt of sin. This is from the Amplified. 
You were consecrated, set apart, made holy, and you were justified, pronounced righteous by trusting in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit of our God who now lives in you. You are not that person. You don't have to live like the rest of the world. You don't have to be stuck with all the stuff that's made a mess of your life forever. You don't have to be stuck with other people's opinions of you because you are not that person. You are Christ in you, holy, pure, and made righteous by faith in him, and you can now live from that place. Amen? Let's stand, let's worship.